0: Do you want to stay more focused on the right goals in your life or even just figure out what the right goals are for you? Do you want clarity? Do you want better work-life balance? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Success Through Failure. Welcome to the Success Through Failure podcast, the show that reveals failure as your path to success. You'll listen to intriguing interviews with some of the most successful people on the planet and learn how their failures became a launchpad for success and how yours can too. Here's your host, former Division 1 All-American wrestler, former Division 1 head coach, speaker and personal coach, Jim Harshaw. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. Today I bring you Michelle Tillis Letterman. Do you get motivation, clarity or inspiration from the Success Through Failure podcast? then don't be so selfish. Share the motivation with your friends. Go to jimharshajr.com slash share, and there you'll find a simple page with just three buttons. One to share the podcast on Twitter, one for Facebook, and one for LinkedIn. Click any of the buttons, and you'll have the option to either share the pre-written tweet or message or rewrite your own. That's it. Super simple. It'll just take a few seconds. Unless you're selfish and you want to keep all of this awesome inspiration to yourself, Go ahead and let your friends in on the secret. They'll thank you, and if nothing else, you'll have something cool to talk about the next time you get together. Just go to com slash share. This is her second time around. I've only had like three people who have been on the show multiple times, and uh, Michelle reached out whenever she had her, her new book, which we're going to talk about today. And I said, man, that was an awesome first interview. So here we go, second time around. Michelle is an accomplished speaker, trainer, and coach. She's also the author of four books, including the internationally recognized 11 Laws of Likeability. She was named by Forbes as one of the 25 professional networking experts to watch. A former NYU professor, financial executive, and recovering CPA, she now works with organizations and individuals to help them build real relationships for greater results through her company Executive Essentials. She's worked with clients ranging from government to academia to nonprofit to Fortune 500 companies, including the shortlist is Johnson & Johnson, Ernst & Young, Michigan State University, Sony, the Department of Environmental Protection, and she's also been featured on CBS and uh, MSNBC, as well as the New York Times and Forbes. As always, for the listener, you know this by now, if you don't have time to listen to the entire episode, or if you hear something you like, but you don't have a chance to write it down, make sure you grab your free copy of the action plan. Just go to jimharshawjuniorcom slash action. Michelle, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me back on.
0: So we're trying to figure out how long it's been since the last episode, but that was way back in episode 113, and uh, you've been busy since then. So let's do this. For the listener who maybe didn't listen to that episode or doesn't remember that far back, how about you give us... Let's just start out with just sort of a kind of brief background on you. You know, Where'd you grow up, kind of in the short version of how you got from there to here?
1: Well, I'm a Jersey girl, and as you mentioned, a recovering CPA, so... (laughs) (laughs) I I spent about a decade in finance and realized it wasn't a fit and kept trying to find the fit. So I went to consulting. I tried the um, M&A world. It it just never felt right. Um, And it's interesting because I think people choose where they're going to focus their uh, talents based on the lifestyle that they want or as an anecdote to something. And that's kind of how I chose finance. And it was an anecdote to having... uh, Or I should say, lacking financial security as a child, Hmm. and so finance seemed like a really good career to have financial security. Um, But that led me to what I do now because I saw all the mistakes people were making, including myself, and that's what inspired me to start Executive Essentials. And then uh, last time I was on, we were talking about my first book, which is called The Eleven Laws of Likability. Yeah, and this new book is actually a follow-up to that. So it, it makes sense to, to drag on the, on the heels of that one.
0: Perfect. So tell us like wh- what inspired you to write this follow-up book, The Connector's Advantage?
1: My husband had the same question. He's like, another <laughs> book? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, why? I said, I have something I have to say. And he said, oh, uh, damn, that's a good reason. That's a good reason. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's, it's funny. I've been asked this a lot and, I think the moment that I recognized the difference was when my brother-in-law said, well, what he asked, what's the difference between networking, um, which is something I really talk about in in the likability book is relationship networking a relationship based, uh, connection and being a connector. And I said, well, networking is something that we do. A connector is someone that you are. Hmm. And I wanted people to understand the evolution from understanding how connection forms, to having a relationship based approach to life and to work and to people
0: so we all have a network right everybody has a network we know mm. people and it's one thing to just know people right you can grow your network and expand it and just meet people and shake hands and exchange business cards and and you know go to events and meet a bunch of new people and knowing them is easy, right or just making a, a connection and saying I grew my network that that 's easy, but what you 're saying sounds hard right sounds harder um, what 's the return on that investment what you 're talking about is is building real relationships so I mean it, it, is that harder is it is it is it worth actually getting to know people 's kids' ages for example <laughs> you know you and I were talking right before we hit the record button um, you said, how, you know, how old are your kids? And, you know, you have two kids, I have four kids, and our, we both have 11 and 13-year-old boys. And you said, I'm going to write that down. And you wrote that down. That's harder. That, that's like, it takes more time. I mean, what's the return on that? And tell me about that philosophy of, of being a connector rather than just having a network.
1: Okay. So first of all, it's not harder. Um, I think it is a different way of thinking. And connectors have a way of thinking and doing things that enable stronger connections to form. And the reason I call the book The Connector's Advantage is because there is a true advantage to that, no matter what you are working on. I mean, if if everyone out there listening right now thinks about one thing that they are thinking about, whether it's a new job, starting a business, getting a promotion, being happier, being healthier, um, getting a referral, closing a deal, whatever it is that you have on your hit list, you are going to get it faster, easier, and better when you leverage the connection that you have in your network. Mm -hmm. So- the connection advantage is, is simply that faster, easier, better. So that's the why behind the what of what we're doing. And, you know, people are like, Really, I'm gonna be happier, I'm gonna be healthier? Yes. <laughs> I have statistics in the book that will talk about how so- social isolation has the same impact on your mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day.
0: Wow. Say that again.
1: Social isolation, this yeah. is research out of Brigham Young University.
0: Wow.
1: Um has been shown to have the same impact on your mortality as if you had smoked 15 cigarettes a day for 10 oh, years.
0: Oh, man, wow. Okay, so let's flip that on its head. Um, everybody's saying, the, for, the, for the listener who's saying, I'm not socially isolated, um, but so what's the positive side? Like, if I... So let it,
1: me give you another stat. Okay. Um, people who have strong work relationships have a 15% um sorry 50% higher rate of productivity on the job. Wow. And those relationships predict their job satisfaction and their happiness at work. Wow. So it's not just knowing people, it's not just not being isolated, it's the closeness of those connections.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I like that you challenged me on that. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, that you were ready for it. You've uh, you've probably been asked that question before. So that's good. I mean, so this is a mindset we're talking about. It's a mindset and I guess, let me start with that. Is, is, is what we're talking about a shift in our mindset?
1: That's exactly what it is. And, and what I talk about in the book are the seven mindsets that impact, um, that we can infuse into the way in which we conduct ourselves to grow our influence and our impact.
0: So talk, can you talk about those, those seven layers or those, those seven different ones?
1: Yes. So let's see if I can get them in order. (laughs) And by the way, um, this is the way in which I write about them, but it's not necessarily – they're not linear. It's not like you have to do one to do the next. Okay. But when I was doing my research and I did a survey and um, we collected data to try to develop a sense of what – how do you define a connector and what are the mindsets that differentiate connectors from non-connectors or those that are not um, quite as connected, if it makes sense. Sure. Because there's a whole spectrum of connector, which I'll explain as well. So the seven mindsets are the connectors are open and accepting. They have a clear vision. They believe in abundance. Connectors trust. They are social and curious. And social and curious is one mindset. It's not social as a mindset. It's social and curious. Mm. Um, Connectors are conscientious and they have a generous spirit.
0: Yeah. So when I read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, years ago, Mm hmm I read that book and I heard some things that were, you know, similar to what what you're talking about here. And it's just, you know, the one that kind of strikes me most is curious, right? Like authentically curious and and actually interested, right? In in other people. And I didn't really think of that as a a skill or or something that you you could have or develop. I I, I didn't until I read that book and I've read it many times Mm -hmm. since. But that's what you're talking about. Like when you were genuinely interested, you actually you can actually create that. You can actually find the piece of you that is genuinely curious and interested in other people and you can sort of just bring that out more, right? We all have that at some level. It's like, okay, I didn't realize that was really a good thing. Now you're hearing that on this podcast and going, okay, that's an important thing. So so let me be genuinely curious. So I mean, do you find that about these 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 other things that you're talking about? I mean, is it are they things that someone says, Oh, I I don't have that. I can't develop that. That's just not me. Or is it something you can say, no, I I can develop that.
1: All of this can be developed. And one of the things I do in the book is I provide mindset missions so that you can think about how do you take the, the idea and put it into your action. Um, for example, I you were that. saying that I, I wrote down that you have a five and nine, 11 and 13 year old, and the daughters are the younger ones. And the, you know, I wrote all of that down because one, it enables us, you said it's harder. It's actually easier for me because if I write it down, then I know I can reconnect to that content. Next time I talk to you, I can refresh my memory, the conversation will come back to me, where we met, who introduced us, whatever the things I will write, here's what we talked about in my notes, because it will bring it back to front of mind and then my mind doesn't have to hold on to so much because I'm helping myself um, with those those little notes. Yeah. And I don't have a big CRM, I simply just use Outlook and I just put it in your contact card. And in terms of being genuinely curious, why do we do this is because we're looking for those points of connection. We're looking for those moments of me too, you too, um, where we can say, oh, we share an experience, we share a value, we share uh, a person, we share something that starts to, you almost think about it as, um, I have like this weird visual of my head of the, the, Roots of a tree kind of like clinging and, and forming and um, and they deepen. And so as yeah. you find these things, it's kind of like each um, root of the tree is, is digging in a little bit deeper to staying connected because you have another thing that you're connected on. And so we could have even taken that conversation further. Okay, so your boys are 11 and 13. Do they get along? Do you have sibling rivalry? We could have taken it down that conversation. We could have talked sports, or what are they into, or what are they going for summer camp?
2: Sure.
1: And then there's so many places to take it. And then what we find is that there's ways to um, add value, right? Maybe you're thinking about uh, a summer camp sleep away, and your kids have never gone, and my kids have been going for four or five years already. So I might be able to tell you some pros and cons or give you some resources to look at. And without being curious and without asking those questions, I don't find ways to add value.
0: Yeah. And then when you find that connection, you go, oh, well, you you have boys that are 11 and 13. Like at that moment, there was a little spark of like, hey, we have something in common. And there's this for For whatever reason, right, this is the way we work as human beings, like there's this rapport that's built, this trust that's built, this um sort of understanding the shoes that you're walking in, and you're understanding the shoes that i'm walking in right there's that that additional connection and it's what you get me <laughs> right, sure, and we want that we seek that and and when we get somebody else, we tend to go back to you know that that whenever we need to get something done right, and this person. Has a connection. You and I actually talked about even before we hit record. Or a couple of folks that we want to connect each other with. I am more likely and more interested in connecting you because we have this, 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 these things in common, right? This relationship that's building. And now, you know, you're going to do one for me, and I'm going to do one for you, just because, not because this, like, okay, I'm going to check the box, but because we actually care and we want to do that.
1: And th- exactly that, and that is the advantage. And I'm really glad that you say. It's not about checking the box and it's not about, well, I'm doing one because she did one or vice versa. That's not what it's about. Um, It is about doing because you want to, because of that generous spirit, that mindset of a generous spirit. And a lot of these other mindsets, the mindset of abundance, the mindset of trust, those enable a generous spirit. Those enable us to say, yes, I would love to do that for you.
0: Yeah, love that. This mindset of a generous spirit you know when you when you care you know about somebody, you think about your your best friend right talking to the uh, to the listeners now, like when you think about your best friend of course you you 're going to connect them because because you care and, and and so whenever you start building these levels of trust and these other connections, then things become back to your words michelle faster, easier, better, you can get more things done and you know I think so many people look around and they look at other people who. They say I'm just as smart as that person, right? I'm I've got the degrees, or I, I should be further ahead. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, when you see people reach certain levels of success quickly, it's not it's not not because they're smarter. It's they've done they've they've and I've seen this over and over. Like they don't do things to check a box. And they don't just rely on their own ability, they actually care about other people. It's so interesting you see that when they care about other people, they have that genuine interest, then people tend to want to help them more, right?
1: Relationship-based skill sets is the biggest differentiator between your average and your star performer. Uh. And this research has been done by so many different places uh, under emotional intelligence, American Express did a study. I mean, so many different companies participated in this, and they looked at the differentiators between who they considered their stars and who they considered, you know, a good, solid citizen. And that differentiator was the EQ. That differentiator was the ability to um, connect with people, to manage people, to lead people, uh, to work with people. And so if we really think about what is important in today's business world and world in general, it, it is the relationships that we have with those around us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So true. And, and I challenge you, the listener, to, to think about this in your life right now. Think about people who are what you consider successful and however you define success, right? It might be financial, it might be in their family, it might be health or fitness or whatever. I challenge you to think of those people and, uh, and you'll probably find out they, that they have built relationships well. So Michelle, what about the listener who's sitting there saying, well, that all sounds well and good, but I'm an introvert.
1: <laughs> no problem. You got an edge. You're actually at an advantage, <laughs> even more so. <laughs> uh, and I talk about this in both books. I think in the first book, The 11 Laws of Likeability, I, I had a section called Good News for the Introverts. Um, in this book, I call it The Introvert's Edge. And that's really how I think about it. Because if you really think about where and how relationships form, they form in the one-on-one. The one-on-one is where the introvert is most comfortable. They don't want to be in the crowds. Great. Don't be in the crowds. Have a one-on-one conversation. That's where you're going to actually build a relationship. And two, introverts are strong, natural listeners. Extroverts are more natural talkers. Mm. You are actually going to learn more, connect better, um, and be able to kind of pick up on more if you're listening than if you're doing all the talking. Now, that said, I will say to the introvert, Uh, great that you can be curious and that social and curious doesn't mean social butterfly and and curious doesn't mean I am prying or being nosy. And we have to kind of get over some of those associations that we might have with those words. Social just means open to meeting new people, open to conversation, open to connection, um, a willingness to, um, to be in an exchange with somebody else. It doesn't have to be in the big, crazy formats. And even if it is, you don't have to have the big group conversations. Um, so there's the the social piece. And it also is the channels of your choice. I, I think we need to use multiple channels for connection. Um, but, you know, face-to-face is obviously going to create the strongest connection. I mean, one of the reasons why we got on ahead of the podcast recording was so that we could see each other's face and chat face-to-face, sure. you know, a thousand miles apart.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. But when we think about, The curious, a lot of times introverts struggle with asking questions because they feel like they're being nosy or prying. And if you think about it, people, one, they love talking about themselves, they love feeling that they're interesting. Um, And if we can think about being curious as um, showing an interest in someone else, I think it would be more palatable. And if you consider what you ask questions on, ensure that you want to disclose information about that same topic. Because that's the other challenge that introverts sometimes bring to the table is that they don't want to do the sharing.
2: Mm.
1: They'll they'll ask and they'll listen and they will be great, but then they're not giving anything of themselves. And that's where we want to stretch ourselves as introverts. The extroverts need to learn to ask more, talk less, talk second. You know? Sure. But the, the introverts need to share.
0: Yeah, you know, I remember in the last podcast episode, actually I shouldn't say I'm cheating. I didn't actually remember this off the list line off the top of my head. But I went back and I looked at the action plan from episode 113. and I recommend the listener go back and check that one out too. But you said the four pillars of trust are vulnerability, authenticity, transparency, and consistency. I mean, certainly those first three vulnerability, authenticity, and transparency is a little bit about what you're talking about right now, right?
1: Actually, those are the four pillars, and I go deep into them in this new book um, on the the connector's trust. And I talk about how you have to give trust to get trust, mm. and we need to trust ourselves. But that consistency piece is probably the crux.
2: Mm.
1: You know, authenticity will not even get you off the the starting block, but consistency will throw you right over the edge if you don't have it.
0: Sure. Yeah. What about vulnerability? That's a, That's a hard one.
1: Yeah. Nobody likes that one. No, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either. Uh, I actually thought vulnerability was like the most horrible word I could ever imagine. Or sure. think of, uh, until I realized, you know, and a lot of people say to me, vulnerability, I'm not going to show my weaknesses and vulnerability is not about weakness. It's about openness. Yeah. And that's the big shift that we need to make is understanding that when we are vulnerable, we are, we are being selective with who we're vulnerable with. We're being selective over what we're vulnerable with. I'm not telling you to, you know, just lay everything out on the line. And um, being vulnerable is not about being self-deprecating. Being vulnerable could be sharing a similar experience and what you learned from it and letting somebody know that they can recover too. Yeah. Uh, being vulnerable is, is really about being open and vulnerability leads to credibility.
0: Yes, it does. And I think... That one's hard to believe until you hear it. So you've heard, just for the listener, you've heard Michelle say it right now. I want you to carry that with you, okay? Vulnerability leads to credibility. And we we for some reason, I think we're intuitively wired or naturally wired to think the opposite. Vulnerability will kill your credibility. But it's the opposite. Whenever you start seeing this in action, whenever you pay attention and see somebody who you respect... Be vulnerable. You go. Ah, interesting. They just shared something that you might think that that would hurt their credibility, but wow, I respect them more, right? Or if whenever you sense that you someone says something and it makes you go, ah, man, I respect them more. It it changes that, right? I'll give you. Maybe this isn't a great example. I'm going to try and give an example. that just popped into my head. Drew Brees. Lost in the uh, the conference championship game, NFL game, uh, and, the, and the Saints uh, played the. I can't even remember who it was now. Um, anyway, they lost, and uh, and when they like right after the game, there's a, there's a picture of him on the field with his kids, like doing something. Like he didn't care. He wasn't standing – He wasn't trying to be Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. He was just out there with his kids after like the the hardest loss of probably his career. And and it was on a bad call, and it was just a terrible situation. But he was out there playing with his kids. The cameras were all around. He didn't care what he looked like. Right? He wasn't trying to to be quote the Drew Brees that we think he was. Just, he was just dad. He was just being dad. And you oh, go, wait a second, that guy's that guy's human. He's real. He's 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 actually a, a person just like me. And when you see that, when you see that, when whenever you see somebody somebody's vulnerability, you go, okay, they're. They're actually just a person like me, too. So they, they get me and I get them. And it builds trust and builds credibility.
1: He was showing his authenticity as well as his vulnerability. Yeah. Um, but, you know, taking it into the sports metaphor, if you think about how vulnerability can lead to credibility, it isn't just about showing other sides of you. It's about understanding your strengths and weaknesses and not pretending you don't have them. It's why interview question um, interviewers always use the question, what's your greatest weakness or What's something that you're working on or something like that? Because they want to know that, you know, what you need to work on. So my son who um, used to play soccer and stopped for years and just started up again, and they started trying him in a bunch of different positions. And he said, listen, I'm best in defense. I don't have the stamina to run the whole time. But boy, am I fast when I need to be. (laughs)
0: Yeah, interesting. Interesting.
1: And, you know, he was wrong, but he's saying like, yeah. I don't, I don't have this strength. I don't have this quality right. of being able to run endlessly. I know what I'm good at. And that gave him credibility. And, and he's a great defensive player.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you see that played out in sports so often, right? You know, from our our kids to professional athletes and and everything in between. So yeah, it's easy to see that, especially I think in sports, right? I mean, it's Um, the same
1: thing in sales though. Like if you go to a store and you're talking to a salesman, you think they're just going to try to sell you the most expensive thing. So I recently had to buy a new washer and dryer and he was just, and I said, my friend bought this one from you and you know, what are other options? He goes, there's no other option. You want the same one. And it was not the most expensive one.
2: Huh? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and he told me why. And he said, I'm happy to sell you this one. It costs more.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and so it gives you credibility yeah. for to to Absolutely. say. Absolutely.
0: Authenticity. The, yeah. The truth. And transparency. Right. Exactly.
1: All of that stuff. See? <laughs> so
0: I encourage Lisha. I, wanna, I want you to just understand this as a mindset. So Michelle... I want to talk about something that that I struggled with a little bit, well, a lot of bit, I should say, back in my sports career, my wrestling career, that it, that I've I figured out and that I'm I've, I'm working on and have kind of most for the most part sort of figured out, and I it's a, it's always a challenge how to apply this to my life. So you start with the end in mind, right? You start with the goal, right? I want to be whatever a national champion, an all American, right, in, in a sport or in in business, like I want to build this business, I want to have a million dollars a year in revenue or whatever the case might be, right? So you start with that goal and you 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 know in in wrestling I was afraid to lose, right? And I was always going through the process of like okay, I've got to do this to win, I've got to do this to win. And I, and I would be afraid of making a mistake. But whenever I shifted my mindset to like don't worry about losing, just just go out and be, right? Just go out and enjoy and enjoy the process. Once I let go of actually trying to achieve the goal, I actually, was it allowed me to focus on just being me, mm-hmm. and and all of the you know seventeen years of, of experience, certainly my senior year in college, all of the all of the seventeen years of, of wrestling was allowed was like set free, and I could be me, and and I, and I achieved at the highest level that I ever had ever done, and finally achieved a meaningful goal of, of being on an all-American, and. And I see that that this it's the same thing in life, right? It's like so you say okay, I want to build a business and make X amount of dollars per year or I want to achieve this 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 certain goal. So I have to network. I have to go to networking events, I have to do the th- I have to go meet people, I have to shake hands, I have to meet that person, I have to work my way up the ladder.
1: Have to, have to, have to have to. Have
0: to right, exactly. And and how do we shift from doing, from saying, I have to and I feel like and I need to go meet these people to build that network to like just letting that go and enjoying the process of relationship building? Cause that's what we're talking about here, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. So now you're, you're connecting to something I wrote in my first book, which is um, about authenticity. And I say that there, there's only four categories of things that you do. And you either get to want to should do or have to
2: <laughs> And it. all
1: I heard you saying was have to have to have to yeah And I would challenge anybody who says have to have to have to and say well do you really or is it a should do or could it be a want to And if it is really a want to then you need to reframe and rephrase because you believe your own language Ooh, yeah. So I want to go and shake these hands. I want to go and meet these people or even better yet, I get to. Like, get to is like, I, I'm so excited. Like, I, I can't believe I'm so lucky I get to be on your show, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to is like, you know, I I would relate it to the marathon runner, which I cannot relate to at all. But um, <laughs> they want to run the marathon. Sure. It's hard, but they are internally intrinsically motivated. Yeah. Should do is usually an external motivation. Somebody else thinks that you should.
0: Mm-hmm. Or if
1: you think you should, but you don't really want to.
0: Or you want to live up to somebody else's standard that you think that they have for you.
1: And my, my opinion is if you think you should, you shouldn't. Yeah. Unless you can reframe it as I want to. Hmm. And by, and the way we do that is that we think about, um, reframing the energy around it. Is there something in it that I'm really excited for that I can, I can really, um, find that real, true invoke, um, that feeling of excitement yeah. or productive energy, um, is there? I can find the good in the situation, like oh, I've got to go to this networking friend, but there's free booze, you know. <laughs> right. Like find the good. Oh, I get to catch up with this person I haven't seen in a while, and focus on that one little thing rather than yeah. all the things that don't feel good to you, yeah. so that you can bring the right energy to the situation.
0: For any of you listeners who have listened to episode thirty-three, or or I've mentioned many times on the podcast, the Success Hotline, Doctor Gilbert, he his the way he says this is is get to versus got to, right? Do you do you ha- do you have to? Do you got to do something, or do you get to do something? And when you just shift, even you just shift the words, like I get mm-hmm. to go build my network, I get to go to this event, I get to speak in front of an audience, versus I've got to. Man, it just changes, changes everything, changes Absolutely. your mindset. Changes, in words, and everything—your body language, your energy, everything.
1: I was coaching somebody earlier today who's going on an interview for a high-level position in tech, and she said, "I don't have networking, but they said it's not necessary, and I just need to push the other skills." I said, "No, you don't. You don't need to push anything. You are at a level where you should—you should be supervising people who have more expertise than you, and you need to be comfortable with that. And it's—you know—it's just—I was watching her language, and I said." You know, here are the words that you need to be saying to yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that internal dialogue is so so important. Yeah, in in everything, I don't know, not just not just networking and relationships, but everything. So,
2: in life.
0: Yeah, in life. So, Michelle, this is the point in the show, and and you've had this question asked of you before, and uh, so where I like to ask about failure, right? Success through failure, and I believe that that you know, we have to take risks, and and, and failure is a necessary step on that path to success. Can you tell us about a time where you failed and maybe you felt that hopelessness or that self-doubt that comes from failure and how you've moved through it?
1: That was that little bing that is telling me <laughs> that I now need to answer this question. That's
0: right. Um. <laughs> you get a thousand dollars if you answer this correctly.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I, I didn't go back and listen. I don't know what I said Um you know, last somewhere in 2017 when I was on the show before, um, because I struggle when people ask me about a failure experience because I've just never had a mindset around the word. Because language isn't so important to me, I don't think about, oh, I failed. And when my children used to say, like, oh, I'm so afraid of failing, and I was like, you can't fail, you can try. <laughs> yeah. You can get a failing grade but you didn't fail. Yeah. And my mindset is, um, oh God, I forgot, you gave me this great saying and I was going to give you credit for it. Um,
0: oh yeah. Well, I don't, um,
1: Succeed or learn or something oh, like that? Oh yeah,
0: yeah. You, you, there's no winning <laughs> and losing. You either, you either win or you learn. Yeah, winning win or and learn. learning. That yeah. was it.
1: I loved that. Win or learn. I, I never used that phrase before, but it really is my perspective is that um, I could say, oh, going into accounting was a failure, but it wasn't. Although I wasn't a fit for accounting, I learned so much. And it gave me the credibility to then teach management and leadership because I was managing people at the age of 22. And if I didn't do that and mess up a lot while I did it, I wouldn't have great stories to tell in my training programs. So um, although not all of my decisions were the best decisions I've ever made, all of them gave me something on my journey that brought me to where I am. And I love where I am. And I love where I'm going. So I just don't think of things in terms of failure.
0: So I challenge the audience, the listeners, to say, to think about something that, where you failed, right? Or, or you, you, know, you went into a career and you realized that wasn't the right career, or you failed at something, right? And to just shift your mindset, because that's what we're talking about here is going, okay, what was the benefit of that? That made me you know, smarter, wiser, maybe realize what I didn't want to do, or how not to do something or that's allowed me to teach my children a different way of going about it. Like Every failure, there is success in there. And there's a reason that has helped you and made you better. And every time I talk to these amazing people on the podcast, there are stories of failure. They've struggled. They've failed. They've had setbacks. In And, and there, those are, there are often reasons why they've found success. So thank you for sharing that, Michelle. Can you give us an action item, something that we can do in the next 24 to 48 hours to really start, you know, being better at networking, right? Actually, you know, thinking, taking a relationship mindset into this, any kind of action item, something we can do, like I say, the next day or two. Sure. Yeah.
1: Uh, All right. I want you to think of three people. I want one person to be somebody who you are already connected to, but that you want to strengthen, deepen a relationship with. I want one person that you've been out of touch with, but you wish you hadn't lost touch with. And the third person can be anybody who comes to mind whatsoever, Uh, maybe a dream connection or whatever. Um, And in the next 48 hours, think about a way to reach out to them. It could be the subject line of the email says it's been too long or reconnecting and just saying, you keep popping into my head. I would love to reconnect what's been going on with you. Here's a two second update on what's going on with me. Mm. Just put that out there. It's great. So you can use an email, you can use instant message, text, chat, Facebook, Messenger, LinkedIn. I don't care what channel you choose. Pick up the phone. I would be so excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't care what channel I choose. And then and do that with all three people.
0: Yeah. Excellent. And I love the fact that you, I mean, you even gave us simple subject lines and how to actually write the email or, or the message. So excellent. Thank you, Michelle.
1: My pleasure.
0: Can you take a minute now and just Let us know where we can find your book, how we can find you and follow you, et cetera.
1: Oh, yes. I love that question. Thank you. (laughs) Well, the new book is The Connector's Advantage, and you can go to theconnectorsadvantage.com. And when you buy a book, we're actually having a BOGO, which is buy one, gift one. Here's Mm. a great way to reconnect with somebody. Give them the
2: book. Beautiful, yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, And so there's some extra bonuses that I give, um, a chapter to my other book, a discount to an assessment. I actually have an interview with a... um, uh, podcaster Jordan Harbinger, who you know as well, sure. um, that he gave me um, that only if you buy a book do you get to listen to it. And so there's lots of great giveaways there. Um, but if you want more tips like this, just find me at Michelle And that's Michelle with two L's Tillis, T I L L I S. Letterman is dot com, And from there, you can get to my blog, my YouTube channel. You can connect to me on LinkedIn. I love when people connect to me on LinkedIn. Um, and I would love to be in touch.
0: Excellent. And for the listener, if you didn't capture all of that, just grab the action plan, jimharshawjr.com slash action. I'm going to have links to everything that Michelle just shared right there for you for uh, for easy pickings. So Michelle, thank you so much for making time to come on the show again. Thanks for having me, Jim. And for the listener, until next time, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success.